So hello and welcome to the Gig CX Decoded podcast, where we dive into the world of gig-based customer service. As always, I am your host, Chris Dumpleton. Uh, I have the pleasure of leading the uh, sales and marketing team here at the Good Ship Limitless. And on this podcast, we explore different areas of CX and talk about what changes are going on in the market. And the way that we do that is to bring people on who are uh, distinctly more knowledgeable than me. Today is no exception. I'm joined by David Abrin. David is one of the most in-demand customer experience speakers. We were just talking offline, and apparently this isn't his first rodeo. And um, he helps organizations better understand and connect with the, the changes in the market, changing in customer behaviors to help them future-proof their business. So I think you've only got five books, which um, isn't quite good enough. I think you need to write another one. And uh, your insights have been hosted in... I mean, thousands of outlets uh, over. But anyway, it's, David, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. It, it's great to be here. Yeah. No, thank you for volunteering me to write another book. Um, it's, it's <laughs> you know, I don't know if, if you if you like writing. I'm, I'm one of these people that um, there was a famous author. She was asked once if she enjoyed writing and her response was great. She said, I love to have written. And I'm like, that's me. I, right. I, I like when it's like the, the post part. I like when it's done, but yeah. you know, but but it's also I think it's really important for all of us who are in this space um, and anybody who professes some level of expertise to stay current and and to share wisdom and put that into the uh, into the conversation and to move things forward. And, and things have changed so much in the marketplace in recent years, um, certainly because of COVID for part of it, but but it's been happening long before that that uh, even in this space, in the customer experience, customer service space, expectations have changed. And so mm. I'm, I'm excited to be one of the messengers out there working with organizations around the world to help them future-proof their business model and recognize the changes that have happened. Do, do you think the, um, are the changes happening more quickly? Are they, are, they, are they changing more dynamically in terms of the, the, you know, the brackets of change? Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah. and, and, and business owners and those who are responsible for managing this change and serving customers and clients um, are scrambling. Uh, they're, they're, they're scratching their head. They're trying to find the resources, um, human resources, technological resources, and others. Mm. But I think that the biggest things that's, that's driven the change is, and certainly COVID accelerated all of that, mm. is this whole new realm, this whole new categories of conveniences and accommodations and flexibilities that companies are scrambling to, to accommodate. Uh, it's, you know, we hear a lot about omni-channel, right? No matter how somebody wants to pay you, give them the opportunity to pay you, no matter how much they want to, how they want to communicate. And the challenge is organizations that try to restrict that. They try to have some level of predictability. Here's the channels where they can, how they can communicate with us or, or people are putting contact forms on their websites. My God, kill me. Uh, you know, it, it's like the, you know, voicemail of the internet. While, <laughs> while smart companies are expanding the ways that you can reach out to them, expanding the ways that you can talk to them, interact with them digitally, um, through the app, through, and, and smart companies are, are the ones who are not taking those things away. They're not taking away voice mm -hmm. support. They're not taking away others as well. So to answer your question, it's absolutely happening more, um, more rapidly as a consumer. It's mm -hmm. phenomenal as mm -hmm. a, as a customer, as a consumer, as a client, if we're on the receiving end, uh, we're the ones who are seeking services and products or healthcare, whatever that is. Um, it's a great time. Um, it's just frustrating for those who are dragging their feet 
and frustrating us. I mean, that's my whole my whole mantra is about eliminating friction in the in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what drove the research behind my book, Why Customers Leave and mm-hmm. How to Win Them Back, is this whole new level of frustration from companies that are not either they're either they're either adding friction to the process, making it more yeah. frustrating, or they're not correcting the things that need to be corrected. And we are leaving those companies in droves. I completely agree. Well, what do you, um, <laughs> I have this personal affliction with the statement, but when I see a company that says, we put our customers at the heart of everything we do, what well, I'm interested in your immediate reaction when, when you're already shaking your head. Too many companies pay lip service, right? For us, yeah, it's, yeah. For us it's all about the customer. Really, then, then have more customer-centric policies. You know, yeah. when you call somebody and say, please listen closely as our menu options have changed. Right. And then they give you, you know, nine options and none of them pertain to you. Or they say, your call is very important to us. Yeah. And you're on hold for 40 minutes. Uh, and you wonder why the, the public is getting cynical. And so when organizations think that that the language is more important than the behavior, that the assertion is more important than the policy, hmm. uh, they're, you know, they're they're seeing the re- they're seeing the response they're seeing the reaction they're seeing the loss of market share mm. from others who do yeah. who do better there was a a great colleague of ours Shep Hyken um, has a, a mm. new study <clears throat> that came out at the end of the year and there was a great finding in that one of the findings was that I think it was something around sixty three percent of people who were surveyed mm. said that they prefer a convenient a convenient experience over a friendly experience. That's, that's what you have to really think about. Yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not that we don't value friendly. We want friendly, but don't give me friendly to mask deficiencies. Yeah. Don't give me, don't give me the scripted response. Well, I understand, Mr. Averin, how frustrating that must be. Don't, don't read the script. I need, I need this and I need to be able to talk to uh, I, 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 I understand, Mr. Averin. No, 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 don't read the script. Right. And they and they're so we know how to be friendly. For in my mind, honestly, I think that's the difference between customer service and customer experience. I think we know how to be mm-hmm. friendly. I think we know how to how to take care of people. But the experience is from the, the other perspective, from us as customers. What's it like to do business with you? Not are you friendly? Is it frustrating? Is it is it complicated? Mm-hmm. Is it unnecessarily time consuming? And this is where I think there's and this is how I make my living. There's phenomenal opportunities for organizations to get better at that. Mm-hmm. Um, Today, I would submit, and it's what I submit when I work with organizations around the world in my in my speaking and my consulting, is that as long as you're good at what you do, right? Quality is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. That is assumed. If you become, I mean, the real competitive advantage today is becoming ridiculously easy to do business with. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big differentiator today. I think those who fall short in terms of quality. Um, I think the marketplace figures them out pretty quickly. I mean, that's social proof, right? That's Yelp and TripAdvisor and Rotten Tomatoes and Glassdoor and all of yeah, those yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, you can't fool anybody anymore because the marketplace finds out, right? They seek social proof. And if you underperform consistently, the, the marketplace will figure that out. But the really smart companies right now on the CX side, on the customer service side, are evaluating their entire process. They're, they're shortening process. They're simplifying uh, onboarding, simplifying contracts mm-hmm. and forms, um, making it, re- as, as I say, ridiculously easy to do business with them. 
Well, one of the things you mentioned at the start, which is like um, <clears throat> when you're on you're on hold and and you get that voice message saying, you know, your call is extremely important to us. I don't, I, I can't fathom in this day and age, you know, we, we're considering sending people to Mars, but right. we can't give people their positioning queue or their expected wait time. You know, those, I know it's not the same people designing it, right, which is always the answer to those questions, but right. I, just, I don't, I can't fathom how if people are still using voice as a primary channel, right, right. that they aren't offering the most basic thing because otherwise it just sounds like it's disingenuous when you've got on the voicemail message, your call is extremely important to us. Well, how do I know? There's nothing right. to show me that. But I think, you made the, me, yeah. I think you made the right point, which is I think the real advancements, and, and listen, we're not naive about labor issues. We're not naive about the challenges. We're seeing so many people mm-hmm. finding these gig workers overseas that help to alleviate all that. I think it's a very, very smart strategy. The challenge is, is nature abhors a vacuum. In that, in that absence mm-hmm. of information, we fill that absence with every dire scenario. Oh, I see. They want my business. Now they don't care about me. Now they whatever, right? And you're on hold yeah. for a minute and a half, and you're already getting more and more frustrated. I think you made the great point, which is if we can manage expectations. Yeah. Right? Your, your expected wait time is nine minutes. There's two scenarios if I didn't know it was nine minutes, by the time I got to nine minutes, I'm furious. I have to go to the yeah. restroom. I, I don't know how long I'm going to be on hold. But when I know it's going to be nine minutes, I can shoot off a couple of emails. I can I can run and grab a snack from the refrigerator. I can whatever mm-hmm. else, because at least I know what's going on. But the challenge is 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 the 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 verbiage doesn't generally match. So if they if they manage expectations, that's great. But we always get this. We're experiencing an unexpectedly high volume of calls. Yeah, that's a lie. It really Flat is. Lie. They know yeah. we're high volume. Yeah, right? or or in the UK, we're experiencing an unexpected, unexpectedly high volume of calls. Yeah, so I, can, I can do it there. But the reality is, we know exactly. Yeah. They know exactly when they're high volume. It. So just yeah. say, listen, we're experiencing a high volume. Your call is important. Your expected wait time is this. We'll get to you. Right. We're not unreasonable. Just don't leave us to our own devices. And so um, the key, of course, is, and I think you made the point, if if your primary channel is voice, then at least address the voice and do that well. Mm. We're seeing some great opportunities and there's going to be a a shift period because we've got a, a whole generation of people who are not technology natives. Within the next 30 years, we'll pretty much be there right now. But I mean, I'll be 60 years old this year. And I'm fine with technology, but the people who are 65, 70 and older, many of them are not. So we've got to give them all the options. We've got a digital option. We've got a voice option. Um, mm. I understand chatbots. I'm not a fan, but I'm not naive. I understand there's a value. As long as you give us an off-ramp, give us an off-ramp to a real person. There's so many funny bits I can do on stage when I'm speaking to organizations. And when you, you know, you're holding a phone in your hand, you're going, real person, real person. Real person. I think you said no, no, real person, right? <laughs> it's only funny because it's ridiculous and it's common. Yeah. We shouldn't have to yell at our phone to talk to a real person. Mm. I understand organizations trying to push us to other options, try and use the digital ones. I get all of that. Just give us options. And so that experience that we have as we judge, do I want to repeat this again, um, is crucial today. Now, a lot of people will espouse the importance of having creating a wow experience. This is all about creating a wow. I don't agree. I think if you can, that's great. 
I don't think most businesses lend themselves to wow experience. You know, it's wow. My God, I was able to talk to a person. What's wow is I didn't have to give my same information four times. Mm-hmm. What's wow is I didn't have to, to search the, the, the website for 20 minutes just, just to find some option to get my actual question answered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's eliminating complexity. There are people who are, there are organizations that are un, like unbelievably adding. I actually saw one, this is from the UK. Somebody sent me a picture the other day in a, in a train station in some, some small village or something in the UK. And it's a, a vending machine for snacks, for beverages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's interesting about this, you'll, you'll find this kind of funny, is there's no keypad to punch in your number. What they had on it was a QR code. And so you had to scan the QR code with your phone. So each individual item or the whole no, thing? No, you do it once, but you have to create an account. So <laughs> all your information, you know where this is going, right? Then you have to pull your wallet out of your pocket and put in all your credit card information. And once you've created an account, then you scan it again, you punch in the number and it syncs with the machine. What was interesting or not interesting <laughs> is both of the machines were completely full. You know why? Nobody's got time to sit there and do that. Yeah. They, you know what worked? The old way. You put <laughs> money in or you, or you put in a credit card. What I call that a solution looking for a problem. Yeah. Hold them on the idea. It's going to be really cool. We're going to do it through the app. They're going to be able to just order their... Yeah, Nobody yeah. was buying anything because it's a train station. They're walking by very quickly. That's a company. We see this all the time. Adding levels of complexity, adding friction where it was absolutely unnecessary. Technology yeah. for the sake of technology. No technology that helps to alleviate friction, that expedites process, that speeds us, um, speeds up answers, speeds up um, uh, purchases. Those are the ones that people need to gravitate towards. But there's all these new solutions looking for problems. And I think it's just a big mistake. Mm, I, I completely agree. Um personally very sensitive to when I see um so a, a, a good example and do you know what I don't actually I, I don't know for sure but I'll be interested in your opinion do you remember the Amazon did the uh what do they call them I think they called them the dash buttons you know they were like these those tiny little buttons that you could put next to like your dishwasher tablets or your um, oh yeah, and then scan them, and then you automatically reorder those things. It's just a little button thing. Yeah, you press the thing, but it, it has a battery. Yeah. So and that battery wasn't a rechargeable one. So you're great. You pulled off. You put the sticky thing on it. You put it next to it, and then when your thing runs out in a month's time, the battery. The same time the battery it. runs out. And yep. then the battery runs out and you need, like, you need a separate one. And it's just like, well, that sounds like technology for technology's sake. Well, what was interesting was they had the right idea. The technologies hadn't caught up, which was yeah. how do you automatically reorder? How do you simply yeah. reorder? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the case now. Yeah. <clears throat> but now it's because it's auto reminders. And now because yeah. in the internet of things, everything's connected, right? Mm. You're, you're, your refrigerator is going to know when you're out of things. It's going to send you a message. Um, actually, I was on a podcast a, a few weeks ago with another gentleman from the UK, and he says, what's interesting is right now we've got machine to person and person to machine and person to person. And he says, the next wave is machine to machine so that the, the refrigerator will automatically 
connect with Amazon and reorder oh, something right, or something right. else yeah, yeah. and outside. Yeah. And of course that brings up a whole lot of, you know, challenges is, is that the machines are deciding what we're going to reorder, but I think it's the next iteration, but um, the whole idea of the button is the right idea, but it's, it took a while for the technology to catch up, but we're seeing that a lot. You'd mentioned before, sir, is this accelerating? It is accelerating because um, industries, especially during COVID were, were certainly faced with how do we continue to, um, to engage in commerce at a distance, right? Mm -hmm. People talk about the new normal or the new next, but the other one I heard was the touchless tomorrow, right? And so we saw these wonderful advancements that allow us not to, the mistake is the companies that continue post COVID saying, we're not gonna give you that option of having, I say, use that to supplement, but not to replace the opportunities for, for mm -hmm. human interaction. I just want to go back to a couple of things you mentioned earlier on, sure. which was about um, convenience and the changes in convenience, and that being a, 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 a I believe it's a differentiator. And I'm Absolutely. And the other is about managing expectations, which should be very simple to do. And as humans, we are wired to be impatient most of the time, especially when if we don't have something, we've got to go and find it, then we naturally want to get that as quickly yeah. as we possibly can. And if others don't make us and you make us, that also adds to the frustration. Yeah. Right. And there's a, so there's a melting pot there. So I just want to, because the, the, you know, the, the nature of this podcast is all around uh, GeekCX and that being, you know, allowing people to be, it offers them, there's an interesting context there. Firstly is it's, uh, asynchronous digital messaging, right? So I'm a I'm a customer. I've got a question, um, and the channel that I'm going to use to get my answer is an asynchronous digital message messaging platform. Now, when they're not asking that question on a company's website, what are they? What, what are most people doing? I mean, I'm doing it all the time myself. I'm tethered to my phone and I'm using WhatsApp sure. as my means of communication, and I'm and I'm absolutely fine with the fact that they you know, two minute conversation might take me two hours over WhatsApp because my expectations are managed. It's asynchronous. I'm not expecting it to be completely real time, but it's more convenient for me because every time I send something, I can go bang and it's off and I don't have to keep, I don't have to like, you know, mentally schedule this conversation where I have to tell right. it to a live person and say, right, well, we I need to make sure I've got these 10 minutes because I've got to finish this conversation. You can have a, it's more convenient for me and my expectations are they're already intrinsically managed because I use it in my private life. So all we're doing is it was it used to amuse me, you know, back I think you know, late nineties, early two thousands, when people's personal technology was far more advanced than what the corporate technology estate allowed them to do, because that was where the, the market was going. So you could have you know this is when Blackberries were around, right? But you could Yeah, I guess I was gonna say that that's a perfect example, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and and now you're seeing consumer behavior drive so much more. The expectations are changing much more rapidly. Absolutely. But it is all about um, convenience. And you have this dichotomy, I believe, you know, where, where businesses that have been around for a very, very long time are struggling to create the, the channels and, yep. and the less friction, whereas then you get the startups who are designing things from the ground up. They're like, we don't have all this you know, crap in the background. We can make these, you know, we saw that most with the, 
the huge you know proliferation of digital banks you know that didn't have these whole monolithic systems and mainframe right. systems and stuff they could just go well no why don't we allow people to create little mini bank accounts within the bank account or to put these reminders on that sort of stuff and and that was geo that, that completely like made all of these big organizations go oh and panicking trying to rush to make themselves look like these core organizations but because they had to not because they wanted to listen to their listen to their right. customers and well, so it's also the difference between between leading and and working hard to catch up right or or, or, right. or playing not to lose mm. um, we, we've seen that with with almost every iteration i think banking is a, is a great example certainly a, initial trepidation because we're doing stuff electronically mm. it's money whatever else it ultimately becomes it becomes the norm. But when you talk about sort of the, the individual having all the technology and then corporate and then being able to connect all those, there's sort of a third outlier that affects all of it, which is that transition period. And the analogy mm -hmm. that I'll use is that, you know, people saying within 10 years, they're all going to be all electric cars. It's nonsense. They may be only producing electric cars or selling, but there will always be legacy systems, legacy users, mm -hmm. legacy vehicles, for those people who just don't have the financial means to upgrade, they'll be they'll, so they'll be both for a long time. And at some point in 40, 50 years, it'll all be electric. At some point, it'll all be autonomous driving. But we are very much in a time right now of transition, which is very difficult for businesses to recognize. There can be that asynchronous communication, but there's also some people who need an answer now. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. some people who are fine to throw a question out to the to the universe, um, to the to the internet, and and see what kind of responses they get. And there's other people who want to be able to make a purchase now. And so, omni-channel is very very important when for everybody who's listening or watching. Whatever your business model, who are your your best customers? How do they want to communicate with you? How do they want to pay you? Be as accommodating as you can possibly be. My God, mm. people are trying to pay you. There's so much we don't take, you know, you're on the airlines now. They don't take credit cards. They don't take cash. You have to do it through the app. And I understand that was all the non-contact. People are trying to pay you money. People are saying, you know, my clients, some of them will pay virtually. Some of them write me a check when I'm in traveling mm. in Dubai or London or wherever else. However they want to pay me. If they want to pay me on Stripe or PayPal or Zelle, mm -hmm. or Square, or write me a check, or, or yes. The answer is yes. What's the question? But that's challenging, right? Um, but we're also reasonable, right? I don't expect I can get my hair cut at four o'clock in the morning, but I expect that I can make an appointment to do so. And mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. people expect organizations to deploy technology that allows them to do anything that we do with them from anywhere, not from home, from mm, anywhere, from, anywhere. Yeah. from a ship, from the t from a top of a mountain, this whole mobile first. And the reality is there's enough off the shelf options. It's not that complicated, but it's, it's difficult for people who are older in business. Um, it, it's, it's a challenge, but it's a necessity. Mm. Don't turn business away because you're difficult to do business with. Um, don't make people, and I'll tell you, I, I get I get requests for podcasts. I have my own podcast, of course, but I get requests to be on podcasts. Um, your team was great to work with, but I'll tell you, sometimes I'll say, would you, would you honor us to come on your podcast? And I say, of course. And then we get a series of emails with homework. I have to come up with all these questions. They want me to fill out this. They want me to sign this. They want me <laughs> to agree that I'm going to help promote it. And it's like, 
you're not getting it. No, it's not always easy to do business. Don't ask me to be a guest and give me homework. Mm. You know, and I'm it's not because I'm so important, but it just speaks. I mean, this is this is my my content, right? This is what I do for a living. And so I look for examples. Um, Roger Dooley wrote a great book for anybody who's listening as well. It's called Friction. And you'll mm-hmm. never look at the world wow. again. You realize how many things that make us angry that are just completely unnecessary. And so um, I'm probably hypersensitive to, hypersensitive to it. But as we say as speakers, we don't have bad things happen to us. We just get new stories to tell. <laughs> well, um, why, why don't, um, do you have any examples of, you know, you, you, like you said, you, you've outlined your work and you help with organizations. Yeah. Can you give, can you give me an example of where, you know, you've, Walked in on the on your trusty steed. You figured out what what an organization is doing. Just tell us a bit about how you did. I don't know. Give it, if you have an example to hand on, how sure. did you find it? How did you articulate it? And what was well, and, and most I'll tell you. Many of my my clients it's confidential, and and they don't want me going on the radio saying what they were doing wrong. But but what we're able to identify oftentimes, and many of them hear me speaking at a conference, and then they bring me in to do some consulting or do a day long mm-hmm. strategic session with their team. And I really hold up a mirror and say, let's look at who your ideal customer client is. How do you think they want to do business with you, right? What do they they dislike about your industry in general, not just you? What would they love? What do they wish you would do? If they could wave a magic wand, how would you do business differently, right? What are the things that that they fear that gives them trepidation? And we go through a whole process and they kind of walk out of that recognizing here's some really good opportunities. Here's some things that we can probably do where our industry is going to be in five years that here's what we need to start doing now. So we're not playing catch up, but I'll give you some, some specific examples of, of organizations, (coughs) companies and categories that used to be decent. They're probably decent in customer service, but not really great in terms of customer experience. And we've seen a wholesale shift um, and restaurants are probably the best example they were always fine when it came to customer service, sort of sporadic. Some restaurants were better than others. Some were just admittedly mm. prioritized fast, you know, fast food, fast casual, whatever. Right, yeah. Some were more fine dining. But they've all gotten much better at their experience. And the experience is now we can order on the app. Now we can get it delivered to mm. our home. Now we can get it delivered while our, our kids are playing football and they'll bring it to the field. You know, within years, they'll be coming by drone and everything else. What we're seeing now is these phenomenal options. I mean, we used to have to fax in on a fax machine our order. And during a busy lunch rush, we hope somebody saw that. So now to be able to communicate with them on the app, through the computer, we can make reservations on our app. We can make reservations on our computer. We can do takeaway uh, or takeout. We can do delivery. It's phenomenal. It's one of those, it's an interesting dichotomy because I think in many ways, the customer service has probably decreased to an extent. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, yeah. A lot of that is due to staffing issues and those kinds of things. But there's also, because they're also distracted now because they're filling to-go orders or takeaway orders, right? Right. Um, But the experience has actually gotten better because we have all these new options. The service has probably gone down a little bit. I think we're generally okay with that because we're, um, we're seeing in America the footprint, the size of the restaurants actually shrinking significantly. Mm. They're realizing they need less space. It was already happening before COVID. Um, many of the restaurants, not the, not the ones where you, they're, they're very, very popular, um, 
we're still probably less than 50% capacity. They went way down during COVID and they're probably back to 20, 30% because mm -hmm. a larger portion of them are doing takeaway now or delivery or things like that. So back to your question, um, and the companies are getting smarter or the ones that are recognizing that customer experience isn't just this necessity to try and keep up with other people doing, but it's a real opportunity for a competitive advantage. When everybody's good, and I would submit everybody's good. I mean, you, you just wouldn't survive today if, if you weren't. Mm -hmm. We're good enough. And no matter what the category it can be manufacturing, it can be legal services, it can be healthcare, sometimes good enough at a better price point is a better choice for a mm -hmm. segment of the population. You know, I, I, I work with, with company leaders, with CEOs, that's my audience. And they'll say, but we do that so much better. And I'm saying, yeah, but does your marketplace value better? Do they need better? Or do they need good enough, but a better price? Right. And, that's legit, and that's frustrating. Yeah, for them. It's, legitimate, it's a legitimate place in the marketplace, right? I mean, it's, it's Ikea. You know, I, Ikea isn't the greatest quality anything, but it's, they've redefined so many things, right? It's good enough for our kids going off to university. Mm -hmm. Ikea is phenomenal. You know, I'd like to think that I've graduated beyond that in the success. But I have great, <laughs> great appreciation and admiration. They yeah. know the market segment, right? Creative products, put it together yourself, pretty good price. IKEA is not ever going to say they have the best furniture, but they have the best model for the right audience. For the second, yeah. Right, right. And so... Um, Anyway, I, th I think organizations that recognize being ridiculously easy, simplified process, providing that great experience that, that has the least amount of frustration, least amount of friction, helps people get what they want faster. That's a great customer experience. And that's not competency. That's preferability. That's competitive advantage. Not just doing it because everybody's doing it, but doing it better because you can actually have an advantage over others in your in your category that might be less convenient you're doing it but you're doing it for a reason and that reason should clearly articulate a benefit that's either because it's going it's what customers are asking for or it's improving something that removes friction yeah. within what your, what your customers want to do what's your view on um so you mentioned earlier you're not a fan of chatbot so uh, i've got an inkling of where this one's going to go but, but, I, but, I, but I get them i, I understand yeah, the yeah. but i but i don't personally like them so where do you think? Uh, so let me. So I happened across a um, TED talk the other day, and, it, and it, it really resonated with me actually, just on a, on a personal level as well as professional. Which was, um, and I'm going to forget his name. Will uh, it's the guy that owned Eleven Madison Avenue, which was like the best restaurant in the world. Yeah. When he took it over, it was not very good. When he sold it, it was the best restaurant in the world. His story goes a little bit like this, which was um, we had the, the best, the most exquisite food in the world. We had the best service in the world. If you took a Google, if you look Google our, our restaurant, you would see the best pictures in the world. Um, but what we became was the best experienced restaurant in the world. And what brought it to life was um, he was helping out in front um, uh, service, right? Because they were really busy and they were short staff. So he started helping out and he, he overheard a group of four people as he was clearing the appetizers away, say, uh, we've, we have, we've got to go back tomorrow, but we've been to 
this restaurant, this restaurant, this one. Now we now we're at Left Madison Avenue. It's been absolutely great. And you ever heard one person say, "But do you know what we haven't had?" He said, "New York hot dog." And the this guy heard it, and and he, he and something just sparked in him. And he's young, right? He went. He took the plates. He ran out of the, of the restaurant. He ran to the, the nearest stool. He got a two dollar yeah, hand right, right on the yeah, in the corner outside. Yeah, because they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, right outside Madison Avenue. So he went and got the when he got two dollar hot, hot dog. He come back. He convinced the head chef to chop it into four little pieces with a little quenelle of sauerkraut and a little swish of ketchup. And he and he convinced him to go. You know, this is a this is a this is a four star like you know restaurant. Yeah. Put it out. Is the feedback was completely off the charts because if people bought have got an experience, not just the. You know, he said I could have comped them the best caviar in the world or given them a you know magnum of champagne that it would have, it would have, they would have forgotten about it a week later. These guys didn't stop raving about it, and he then created this whole thing, and that's what propelled this organisation from being a great three-star restaurant to being the best because he then created this role, which was. I want everybody here to listen out for these ideas and I want you to create experiences for our diners that, and stuff. And it became this thing. They did, it, it, I'll, I have to forward you the TED talk. It's fantastic. Please forward it to me um, and post it in the notes because I'm sure other people like to see that as well. Here, here's a, a, a uh, I think we look at how things are done wrong, right? Yeah. That, that's my book, Why Customers Leave, is we're seeing this so much and, that, and, and what you provided was the antithesis is we're seeing so much restriction. When somebody... You know, I, yeah. I, I was with some friends and she said that she was with a whole bunch of her girlfriends. They were at a restaurant. She ordered a chicken Caesar salad and she said, can I get can I get sh shrimp? Can I get prawns instead of chicken? And I see you have that on another dish. And of course, the waiter said, no, I'm so sorry. No menu substitutions. And I always ask the question, why? Mm. I mean, everybody says it. No, we can't substitute menu on. Why? I mean, mm. it's, it's just a different protein. Charge her a few extra dollars, a few extra pounds. And she'll be thrilled. But the reality is we they just don't want to figure it out. And 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 the answer I always get is, and this is across a lot of categories, is it well, if we do it for you, we have to do it for everybody. And my first answer is no, you don't. <laughs> you have to do anything for it. It's your business. Yeah. Do whatever you want. But why would you not? Yeah. I mean, charge she'll walk out, she'll th she'll be thrilled, she'll tell others as well. And the fear is, oh my gosh, now all of a sudden, every most people are not going to want special requests, which makes it much easier for us to do so. That's the kind of rigidity, that inflexibility that I make my living on working with organizations saying, like you said, keep your ears open. Mm -hmm. Listen for those special requests. Here's another great tactic for your, your listeners and your viewers is keep a pad of paper um, for everybody on, on your team. And every time you have to say no to something, every time you say no to any kind of a request, write it down. See if mm. there's some trends. Find out at the end of a month or two, are there enough requests for a specific item, a specific service that might justify us expanding our suite right. of offerings, right? Is there enough business to justify that? Um, are we saying no to things that there's just, there's no reason to, to not do that. It was, I was, and we're probably short on time, but I always have stories. I was leaving a hotel at seven o'clock in the morning and I stopped at the front desk and I said, I, I'm, uh, I'm in room 227. Can I do a late checkout, please? And I started leaving. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. We're not doing any late checkouts. And I said, um, I'm leaving. I'm speaking to a group of CEOs. I'll get done at 12 noon. And she says, my manager said, we can't do any late checkouts. We have a conference coming in and we need the rooms to be ready. And I said, well, I, I can't be out in time. And she says, I'm so sorry, sir. If you can't be out by 12 noon, I'm going to have to charge you for a second day. <laughs> now, understand, I teach this. So I paused and I said, okay, 
I understand. If you, but if you charge me for a second day, I'm just going to keep the room because if I pay for it, I get to keep it. So I'm just not going to check out of them. So go ahead and charge me. I'm just not going to check out of the room. But now you don't have a room for that conference attendee who's mm -hmm. flying. In. Yeah, you tell right? what's happening, yeah. Is that the outcome you were looking for? And she's like, uh, and she goes in the back room. She comes out. Um, one o'clock would be fine. It's like, <laughs> you, you think? Now, the reality is she wanted to say yes to me, but a lazy manager said, treat everybody the same. Mm -hmm. And the reality is the housekeepers, they're not cleaning every room. There's simple things that we can say yes to that we just say no to. I would submit that you can't survive in the next five to 10 years by saying no to ridiculous things. Mm. Your customers be more accommodating. Your customers love it. It may not be the way you normally do things. Look for those opportunities. I loved your example. Listen, your customers are telling you the things that they want. Let's not be dismissive. Mm. Well, I think we could talk for ages about this, and and at some point we need to bring it. Yeah. <laughs> we need to bring it back to. Uh, well, I'm duty bound to bring it back to um, the topic of, of the nature of this podcast, which is all about GeekCX. So, final final thoughts, really, which is yeah. you know we've talked about convenience, we've talked about taking friction out, we've talked about managing expectations, we've talked about accommodating what people want to do. Tell me in your own words, how do, how do you see GeekCX playing a, a role in that? Do you, do, do you endorse it? Do you think it's something that, that means... Oh, I, I, absolutely, I absolutely endorse it. I think we we as business owners, those who are, are lead businesses or manage businesses or teams, we have to be flexible as well. Needs are changing. Expectations mm. are changing. Yeah. Um, times are changing. Um, things un, Those unexpected things, to be able to staff up and staff down, to bring in the right kind of expertise for the right situation, whether it's specific gig CX, whether it's it's Upwork or Fiverr or any of those things as well. I'm a gig worker myself. Um, I, I have a team. I, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a successful business, but I eat what I kill. And companies bring me in to solve specific problems. Maybe the problem was they just need a great opening keynote speaker. Maybe it's that we're losing market share, whatever that might be. And so... The world is 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 going in this direction, but I think from the CX side, um, I think there are people who who bring great expertise, and they're all over the world. Mm. And you know, we 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 talk about for those of us in North America and Europe, I think I think there are eight hundred million people uh, to tap into, and then you go to mm. Asia Pacific, and there's three point two billion people who get up twelve hours before we do. Uh, the world is filled with talented, wonderful, mm. experienced people. And to only be restricted to the people who live within a, a five mile or 10 kilometer region is naive. Yeah. I think mm. accessing talent worldwide, project-based, um, staffing up, staffing down, uh, mm. and then working through an aggregator who really um, can help you, once again, great experience, select the right people, find out the ratings, find out those, um, mm. the experience that they have, uh, the talent that they have, the, the qualifications that they have. Uh, it, it is not just the wave of the future, it's, it's the, the reality of the present and smart companies are utilizing all the talent worldwide and working through those organizations that help them screen that talent to do the work that we need to do to serve our customers and clients. Well, reality of the present. I'm going to take that one. I think we're going to we might have to tag that tagline that one. 
Well, uh, David, I've loved talking to you. It's been brilliant. And um, Thank I know you, you're coming to the, to the, uh, the UK soon. And, you know, looking for that. And I'll, and I'll tell people if they want to learn more about me, just look me up online. It's David Avrin. <clears throat> Everywhere on Instagram, it's the real David Avrin. That's a whole other catfish for another day. But um, <laughs> at, at davidavrin.com, you can see a David. preview video of what I do. Um, and my books are on Amazon everywhere else as well. Brilliant. We'll be sure to put those in the, the show notes. Well, I love talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, you're, uh, you're in demand. Really appreciate it. Mm -hmm.